Hey there, I'm Aaron Martell. And I'm Ray Zimmer. And welcome to Albumatics, a podcast where we analyze and discuss a musical album of our choice. This week, I got to pick the album, and I chose Megadeth's 1986 album, Peace Sells, But Who's Buying? So, Ray, we're going to live for metal and die for Megadeth. <laughs> How did you discover this band and this album in particular? Uh, another. This is another great recording tape stories. All right, I got my buddy Matt Deal gave me a cassette tape. One side was Manowar. Oh, shoot. Yeah. <laughs> which I'm going to I love that album. Yeah. I don't care what anybody which, which, which said. Which album? Which album? It was the one, Kings of Metal. Okay, yep. Yeah, yeah Kings of yep, Metal. Yep. And the other side was Megadeth, So Far, So Good, So What? All right. I hadn't heard much Megadeth at that point. I was a big Metallica fan, and, I, yeah. and that was my transition from Megadeth to Metallica. Then I discovered Anthrax and Slayer afterwards. Right. Yeah, I liked the guitar work on that album. And then uh, this other kid with a mullet who was running my school bus at the time <laughs> gave me a copy of P Cells, and uh, that became like uh, that was like stuck in my my Sony Walkman for, like my entire sophomore oh, year yeah. of high school. So. <laughs> Yeah I, I, yeah, I did rewind the tape with a pencil, so that's it. All right. All <laughs> Let right. you know how old I am. Very cool. <laughs> yeah. I remember those days. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I really can't remember the first time I heard about Megadeth. I'm sure it must have had something to do with Metallica, though, which I got into them first, right. as far as the thrash bands go. And Megadeth's obvious connection to them, but the exact moment they blipped on my radar is just, it's gone. It's lost. Mm-hmm. I do remember seeing this album cover with the band's skeleton mascot, Vic Rattlehead, selling the burnt-out husk of the United Nations building. Right. I thought that was cool. That was cool. Then later on, I saw the Peace Cells video and whatever other new video they were promoting in the 80s with each new album they were putting out. I hadn't bought any albums by them yet, though. Uh, then, of course, I saw Dave Mustaine on the Decline of Western Civilization Part 2 movie. Oh, I love that. You remember that? <laughs> I think he's recording, he's recording in my darkest hour, I think. Yeah, and he's sitting there smoking a yeah, cigarette yeah. in the studio doing his vocals. And he makes like this catfish face yep. and he's exhaling. Yeah. So, in my hour of need. <laughs> so I remember him in that. But it took me a while to fully get into Megadeth. Mm-hmm. And I do remember distinctly the first album I bought was Countdown to Extinction. So we're talking 92. Okay, yeah. I owned my yep, first Summer Megadeth 92, album. I remember that. Yep. And that did lead to a Megadeth phase, you know, because mm-hmm. I like that album, and it did lead to a phase where, all right, I've got to get the Megadeth stuff. So I went back and got all the Megadeth albums, and eventually, you know, well, actually, the first batch I got, I got Peace Cells mm-hmm. and Rust in Peace. So I went big right, right off the bat, you know. Yeah. And so I start right off swinging for the fences with this band, and there you have it. It's kind of weird. Like, they had a different guitar tone. Like, Anthrax and Metallica had that, like, scooped, distorted chunk, that chunk sound. Megadeth was way trebly. Trebly. Yeah, super trebly. And Especially it, those the first two albums. Yeah, yeah. And it, yeah. it almost gives like kind of like a lo-fi production yes. feel when you listen to well, it. Well, the first album, especially oh, yeah. the first album sounds horrid. Like it was done on a four track. Yeah. 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 <laughs> now I'm gonna give you some basic facts about this record. And when it comes to all of my fact-finding needs, I place my trust squarely in Wikipedia. <laughs> Peace sells, but who's buying is the second studio album by American thrash metal band Megadeth released on September 19, 1986, on Capitol Records. It was produced by Dave Mustaine and Randy Burns and was recorded from February 15th to March 20th, 1986 at Music Grinder Studios, Los Angeles, California. It reached number 76 on the U.S. Billboard 200 chart and is certified platinum by the RIAA. So here's the band's lineup card. We have Dave Mustaine on lead vocals, lead and rhythm guitars. Chris Poland on lead and rhythm guitars. David Ellefson on bass and backing vocals. And Gar Samuelson on drums. All right, now it's time for a track-by-track analysis of this album. We begin the proceedings with the opening track, Wake Up Dead, 
written by Dave Mustaine. Think about this. I can relate to this on one level because my wife <laughs> always conks out before I do, and I'm kind of like a bull in a china shop when I come into my bedroom. <laughs> and like, and it, there's been times when I wake her up, and it's either two responses: one, I terrify her because she's so deep in the sleep, <laughs> or then she's pissed. So <laughs> there, if I wake Crystal up, I will wake up dead. Uh, <laughs> no, this is a sick instrumental. It's, it's not, I call it an instrumental, but there's like mi- so minimal lyrics; it's almost yeah. hard to call it like a real like yeah. song song along those lines. But uh, no, this is this is a cool song. I think Garth Samuelson's got some really decent double bass tracks on it, and I don't think he needed like you know <clears throat> drum roadies to play for him <laughs> or, or, or bass tracks speeded up. I'm not saying that there are certain drummers out there who've had that reputation, but you know, I, mean, hey, I don't know. Um, <laughs> the only thing that used to bother me about this song, and I didn't notice it quite as much on the remastered version. Do you know that like? Breakdown was like da 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 Well, there used to be this like bass note that would pop up that would like almost fart. Yeah, <laughs> like yeah. when you'd hear it. Yeah, and I would listen to this on my my bus ride, and every time it came up to that, I would like lift a cheek up because that's uh, what it reminded me of. Dude, I love the bass farts. <laughs> Ellison's got some mad bass farts, <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> but they mixed those down in the remix, so that's that's pretty good. Yeah, and then you got a. Uh, I, I always assume that it's Chris Poland. Like, if you listen to the two different... Because they, they didn't list who did what solos on the Yeah, album. that's what I was curious about, too, because yeah. Chris Poland was known for his lead work. Yeah. I, and I'm wondering if he did most of the leads, because we know, we know Dave can play lead, too. Oh, so yeah, I, no, for I, sure. Fuck, I don't know who's playing what. I just assumed, and this, this is only an educated guess on my part, that, like, your more frenetic kind of, like, um, pentatonic scale-based yeah. solos are probably Dave. Okay. And that, like, the smoother legato-sounding stuff was Chris Poland. That makes sense. And, I th- and especially because, like, at the, the end of this solo, it's a kind of more of an exotic scale too. Like yeah. I think he's do, doing like a Phrygian dominant. With yeah, some other Chris Poland had that jazz fusion. Background. Yeah, he, he, him and Gar Samuelson yeah. were a fusion band called Manhattan before right. they joined that. So I think the the lead work is friggin' phenomenal. And I mean, yeah, I don't know a lot of guys who were doing that at that yeah. time. That jazz bass kind of solo, which yeah. kind of always set Megadeth apart from the other thrash bands too, was that kind of. They weren't like I would never say that they're a jazz fusion band, but they definitely no. had some like elements of that in yeah, there. Fearsome chops. Yeah, always. And Mustaine always picked great musicians yeah. to, to play along with them. Yeah, so, he did. This is a great song. Yeah, this opens with that quick fill, mm-hmm. and then right into the verse. And all right, let's get this out of the way. <laughs> let's get this right out of the way because <laughs> it's going to loom large over this fucking review. <laughs> I cannot stand. The sound of Dave Mustaine's voice. <laughs> it's this nasally, whiny pitch that drives me fucking bananas. And for certain songs, it actually prevents me from enjoying Megadeth's music. It's that bad. And I don't know why it bothers me so much. There are certainly other singers who don't have conventional voices, and I still dig them. I like Tom Waits. I like Tom Verlaine and Bob Dylan, for fuck's sake. Right. But Dave Mustaine's voice just <laughs> bugs me. And on this song, it's not that bad, you know, at least at first, mm-hmm. as he kind of half growls, half whispers the lyrics, which are about him sneaking back into his house after cheating on his woman, mm-hmm. hoping he doesn't get caught as he's afraid she'll kill him, I think literally. <laughs> yep. 
The song has an unusual structure with different sections, beats, and tempos. I particularly like that section after the verse section. MTV Headbangers Ball uses that, you know, like we, we yeah. talked about before. Yeah. You remember that? I do remember that. Yeah. They don't Every time they come back from commercial, yeah. they'd have those animated guys in the motorcycles. And, yeah. I heard, and I didn't know what that was at first. I didn't know that was Megadeth. When I finally, I went, holy fuck, I know what that is! <laughs> when I heard that. Yeah. <laughs> The lead work's just tremendous. Both guitarists yeah. are killing it. Then the final section has a completely different, slowed-down tempo. Yep. The riff is still heavy as fuck, though. And I don't even mind the vocals in this part. You know, wake up the head. Yeah, I got some gang vocals. Yeah, like, yeah. Definitely yes. treated with gang something. Gang vocals, baby. Yeah. They cram a lot in just 3 minutes, 40 seconds, and I fucking love this track. And this was the second single from the mm. album. It's funny, because I think there was the one Diana he talks about in the song. Yeah, yeah. He's met, she's come up in other songs, although not in name. Yeah. Like, I think she actually might be part of, well, you know the song um, In My Darkest Hour we yeah. talked about? Supposedly it was influenced by the past Cliff, Cliff, Blur, yeah. Cliff Burton. But I think there was some, Mustaine has said that there was some like Diana references. Yeah, because he already too. had that track sort of started right before i believe yeah. so yeah she was i guess somebody he had an on again off again affair like the first you know all, all through the heroin years yeah really so at least she, she she supplied us with this song as a muse all right the next track is the conjuring written by dave mustaine Ray, how about this? Uh, well, you know, to be fair, there's some good parts of this song. Like, um, I like that little intro that's got between the root, the fifth, and the octave up. Like, kind of like years later, you hear like Schuldner use it on, um, I think it's Flattening of Emotions, but uh, not to the same way. But that's kind of cool. And I like how they do kind of like a flange, kind of almost a flange, or a, not flange, but it's a flanger, or what's the other word I'm looking for? Phaser? Yeah, flanger phaser. It's almost like yeah. a flanger phaser effect on the vocals in different yeah. parts of the song. Yes. Uh, so that's cool. But to be perfectly honest with you, this, um, this track doesn't really grab me. In fact, really? like, yeah, when I had this on, like when I was listening on the, those bus trips in the morning, this is always on Fast Forward's Greatest Hits for me. Get out. I shit you not. It's not a bad song, but it just doesn't have any charisma for me personally. Although I, now that I've read about this, supposedly that there's like. Um, like introduce like a way to write hexes and stuff like that yeah. in the lyrics and stuff. That's cool, and the subject matter is interesting too. I'm yeah. not gonna lie, because I always kind of gravitate for those kind of, sure. those kind of songs or subject matter. Yeah, no, but you're, this you're, one, you're I'm kind of satanic. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> but um, I'm gonna have to list this one as being Ray's unimpressed musical piece. No, 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 wrong. Holy shit. <laughs> no, you are wrong, sir. You are wrong. You're out of order. This whole court's out of order. <laughs> the guitars play this spooky atmospheric lick that sets up Dave welcoming us to the black magic ritual in a voice that I think is supposed to be menacing, mm -hmm. but to my ears comes off as kind of goofy. He even has his <laughs> accent. Yeah. Welcome to a single sect of worship. <laughs> Do you think you know what half the words are? home in our black conventicle as we anathematize all those who oppose us. <laughs> 
you think he knew what he was saying when he wrote those? Oh, fucking no, <laughs> man. Give me a break. <laughs> but then it turns into this cool, fast, chugging riff while Dave gives instructions on how to prepare a hex. <laughs> At least that's what I read him saying about the lyrics. Mm-hmm. At this point in time, it seemed like Megadeth could string together badass riff after badass riff, and it just always worked at this point in time. I don't mind Dave's vocals on this track either, actually, <laughs> as he kind of reveals himself to be a demon or an agent of hell who is given these instructions and expects a conjurer's soul in return, you know, like the price you pay for using black magic. Mm-hmm. It's subject matter of, like, horror movies and supernatural tales. have been around forever. Oh, yeah. You know, making sure. deals with the evil powers. Yep. When Dave Mustaine converted to Christianity, Megadeth stopped playing this song live in 2001. I saw that. He didn't Yeah, they didn't play it. it for, like, 17 years. They actually, the next time they played it was June 12, 2018 in the Czech Republic. Holy crap. I really dig this track, too, and yeah. you're wrong. <laughs> okay, one more thing I will say. I do like the guitar work on it. The, yeah. the solo work is definitely yeah, cool, yeah. but yeah, nah, nah. <laughs> <laughs> Moving on, we have the title track, more or less, Peace Cells, written by Dave Mustaine. P sells. You buying? I'm buying. All right. All right. <laughs> I'm not especially especially buying this bass riff. The oh first, yeah. This bass figure. The first time I heard it, I was like, "What the hell is this all about?" Yeah. But it definitely it's got a hook. It hooks you right oh, in. No, no doubt. MTV co-opted that too. Yeah. MTV but, News. Remember that? You know how they beat having to pay them for it? They only played a little snippet of it, and so that was like, I guess, how legally and fair use laws, people. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so Mustaine claims that he, they never got any royalties from MTV. Yep. But yep. Man, Matt, they would have made bank. Yeah, that have been the case. Yeah, it's kind of interesting because I like Dave Ellison as a bassist. Whether or not you uh, subscribe to the whole thing, that there's some people who, who in the Mustaine circle have said that he wasn't that great a bass player. Like supposedly Marty Friedman said, well, they took time off. Like if they got back together, then they could, could do something would be great with Mustaine. And I guess Friedman said, yeah, imagine if we get a bass player who can actually shit out bass parts. Hmm. So interesting. I don't know if he's just more does what Dave tells him to do, or if he's just. I think he's probably naturally talented on his own. I there's nothing wrong with this. I think he's very good. Oh yeah, no, same here. Yeah. So I'm in the camp that says Dave Ellison is a solid bassist. Yes. So this riff is good. The bass figure is awesome. And let's face it. I mean, if he's going to be playing next to Dave Mustaine for all these years, I mean, they had yeah. a little break there where they had a little tiff. Right. But he comes back to the band. Yeah. He's got to have some talent. Oh, yeah. No, definitely. I don't I mean, Dave is going to play with a schmuck. Yeah, no. He's, he's not going to play with the guy from Poison. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that ain't happening. But, um, no. And then this, uh, this song. Imagine Bobby Dahl attempting this. Like, oh. <laughs> they would do a CC the villain, stick him up in the rafters and just leave them there <laughs> oh man <laughs> like they did nothing for a good time but a good time video i want to hear that i know <laughs> but you know what no, this is going back to my my youth when you're like a pissed off teenager who doesn't like really get anything in the world yeah. like these lyrics like totally like mean something to you even if like you know you're not really probably paying taxes on anything or worried about that but yeah. still you know you kind of start to look around at the world and see there's a lot of goofy shit yeah and now as a middle-aged man, <laughs> mm-hmm. I feel like these I can relate to these lyrics more. Yeah, still relevant, huh? Oh, yeah, for Jeez. sure. 
So they got some great trade-off solos in the song too. That you know, they're the great trade-off solos. I'm yeah. sure they're trade-offs. I don't think it's just one or the other. I always imagine it sounds to me like two different styles. I could be wrong. Somebody out there could certainly correct me on that. Um, but then when it picks up again with the guitar playing the bass like the same riff, that's cool as yeah. shit. Yeah, it's it's great stuff going on there. Yeah. And they, if you listen to it really closely, there's some harmonized stuff going on in the rhythm section when they're actually doing the P sales, but who's yeah. buying in the game vocals. Yeah. So that's kind of cool too. Yeah, so, it is. Yeah, great track, man. This song is structured with the verses and pre-choruses coming first, then the guitar solo, and then the chorus comes at the end. You know, peace yeah. out, who's buying. You yeah. know, sort of like Don't Stop Believing. Yeah, yeah, good That's point. That's right, I just yeah. compared Megadeth to Journey. Oh, hey. hey now. This song is big time hooks, though, and the lyrics are very good. Yep. But Mustaine criticizing the modern American ways of life, from the judicial to the religious to the social systems, mm -hmm. and that government should be held accountable, and he's willing to participate in something different if it works better. Yep. I dig this tune, but I'd like it even more if Mustaine didn't sing it. Because <laughs> his vocals really annoy me in this fucking song. You're going to hear this a lot, folks, so I'm sorry, but it, it's coming. <laughs> this was the first single from the album, and I remember seeing the music video. It probably mm -hmm. was one of my first introductions to Megadeth, I'm sure it was. I remember the guy comes in on his son, and he's like, Dear, I want to watch the news. Like, this is the news, yeah. Dad. Yeah, <laughs> and everything just kind of like flashes. <laughs> You can't even hardly see what, what the hell's going on. So rebellious. Oh. <laughs> but, you know, I... I, I poke, what do you mean? <laughs> I poke fun... I poke fun at the concept now, but I'm sure some part in my, you know, hormone-addled mind saw that. I was like, dude, I can totally really... This yeah. is the news. Yeah, so. yeah. Whatever. It's still we the people, right? <laughs> God. What the fuck? And now we get Devil's Island, written by Dave Mustaine. Your thoughts? This is a fucking awesome track, dude. Without a doubt, um, it's got that kind of doomy intro riff and like the, the weird ass solo guitars in the back, and then it, it's got this gallop to it, like almost like an Iron Maiden yep. gallop. Now I'm going to go out on a limb here, probably not related, and we, you know, there's chord progressions, copy chord progressions, copy chord progressions, but yes. I can almost hear shades of the intro to Battery. And the chord progression, and yeah. that's and, and oh, uh, oh, you mean the main riff, the ma the intro riff, okay, the, okay. the, yeah, the yeah, acoustic yeah, yeah. part, and yeah. also sounds similar, a little bit similar. To this. And you know what? Okay. There, there's going to be little bits of that. If you listen to Hangar 18 and Call of Cthulhu, there's parts that sure. sound exactly like sure. each other. Um, yes, and that's. But this also could be a coincidence too. Like if you if you're just looking for like riffs that walk up like that, uh, them bones by Allison Change walks do up that too. too. Yeah. Yes. So I mean, it may not have been intentional. It may have been intentional. Who knows? No, I love the galloping riff part for the yes. song. All throughout the song, the gang yes. vocals on the chorus are definitely get you going. They're great. Yeah, they I are. like those vocals. Yeah, <laughs> it masks up whatever he <laughs> he lacks. Uh, <laughs> and then the, then um, when they get to that weird little breakdown, Chris Poland solo is 
and I'm just, it's got to be him. Yeah. It's, it's yeah. so fluid. It's oh. almost got like little bits of like Satriani esque fluidity. Yeah. And he's one. Of, I think one of the, sounds like one of those guys who mixes just like hammer ons and pulls a straight fast pick. And, yeah. And he does it friggin' oh, yeah. awesome. It is awesome. And you no, know, can I just say one thing more thing about this? Yeah. If no, these, these <laughs> you can't say anything else. If these guys were on as much heroin, all four of them, as they said that the reports were from each of them, and especially they, they talk about Poland and Samuelson. Oh, I know. Yeah, and they could still play this well. How the fuck can you? I, I'm, I'm I can't play after three beers. Yeah. You know, so. I'm telling them shoot up before every yeah, session. I know, right? <laughs> you know, shit. Yeah. Hell yeah. Uh, yeah, I, I love that too. And it's uh, Ellison's bass that brings that galloping riff in too. So don't tell yeah. me he can't fucking play. Yeah, that's horseshit. You know, and it frames the verses. Yep. Mustang sings <laughs> by a prisoner in a penal colony waiting his execution. He's spared by what seems to be divine intervention, but he's learned his lessons too late. He's condemned to live on the island forever. Mm-hmm. This track has a lot of momentum as it doesn't waver much from that intense pace. Mm-hmm. The middle section has some ripping fast tremolo picking and it maintains the intensity through the guitar solo as it transitions back into the main gallop again. Mm-hmm. And I'll tell you what, for a junkie, Gar Samuelson <laughs> was a bitchin' thrash metal drummer. The dude had talent. Oh, yeah, to boot. I dig this one, too, except for, well, you know. <laughs> you know, it's funny, because I watched a retrospective. Oh, it was a video that came out, like, in the 90s. It was basically just both Dave sitting there looking at their videos. They even talk about the uh, decline of Western Civilization Part 2. Yeah. But they look at one of the old videos with Gar, Gar from this album, and, like, there's a bunch of stuff where he's, like, he looks like he's headbanging, but actually it's him nodding out behind the <laughs> oh, drum no. set. Oh, <laughs> no. Wow. <laughs> and if you think about it, it's kind of funny that um, both those cats are making fun, because I'm sure they were just wow. doing just as bad. I mean, uh, yeah, no the kidding. stain had to be, like, like tied up for the video yeah. um, for No More Mr. Nice Guy, because right. he was so <laughs> yeah. screwed up he couldn't stand up. And, I don't even think he Played really. <laughs> <laughs> oh boy. Yeah. So let's flip the imaginary record over and drop the imaginary needle on Good Morning Black Friday, written by Dave Mustaine. Ray, how about this? This is like one of my fucking favorite songs of all time. Mm-hmm. And, and definitely on this album. Like this one and the next one for sure. It's got that moody kind of an intro. I don't know if it's like if it's just an acoustic or it's just a clean shell guitar. I, I guess it could be either. I think it could be both maybe even? Maybe. I don't know. Okay. It's not like it's doubled somehow yeah. or another. I think it's acoustic. Yeah. yeah. And then, But the lead work on it is... is, is oh yeah, that's, is, that's electric. Yeah. <laughs> boogie, 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 boogie. <laughs> but that, that's great too. Um... It shifts in the song, and then it, like, also the drums start to kick in, and then it gets into this weird thing, which I always assumed was about a guy who became possessed and then just went on, like, a killing spree or something yeah. like that, because I like, was like, what's going on here? Yeah. Like, what the fuck is this? <laughs> <laughs> and then it cuts it, comes in with that kind of almost intense, triplety kind of a swing yeah. feel, or it talks about this guy who's become, like, a killer who's going to, you know, kill everything he sees. And so, as an angry 15, 16-year-old, I really got into that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. 
Um, yeah, I'm a big fan of like horror movies and horror novels and stuff like that. So that's why I think a lot of metal, especially this stuff in Slayer, appealed yeah. to me at the time. Then it goes from, it stops being that triplety part, and then it goes into that thrash skank beat with those yeah. like really intense solos and like the, the killer uh, gang vocal and then screaming Black Friday, painting the devil on the wall. So this will always be like one of my favorite songs of yeah. the, from this era of music. Yeah, who the fuck does Megadeth think they are? Slayer? <laughs> The good morning part actually starts with acoustic prettiness, some electric leads on top of it that to my ears don't enhance that much, but kind of like sounds like noodling a little bit. Good morning. The drums come in and the, the melody's more apparent and not just noodling. Then it gradually gets heavier. Mid-tempo groove. Mustaine's whining and finally yelling, that makes yeah. me cringe. Yeah. Then another faster tempo change and a new riff comes in with some nice shredding on top and then the drums get busier along with a chugging riff mm -hmm. and Mustaine sings gruesome lyrics about a serial killer going into great detail about what he does to his victims, bludgeoning them with a hammer. Then the one last tempo change and the track outright thrashes with Mustaine now delivering lyrics about dismemberment. The killer is kind of upping the ante. Yeah. <laughs> Gar Samuelson again fucking brings it. Yeah. More oh, nice shit, shredding yeah. guitar and this track rips all the way to the finish. I love how this track builds and builds musically. Yeah. Section to section to section. It gets faster, it gets heavier, it gets more yeah. intense. I love that. It develops. I think it kicks serious ass. Yeah. Then there are the vocals, and the less I say about them, the better. But I am still on board with this record. I love this uh, yeah. track too. Oh yeah, no, that's just cool too. Is like he's doing like a lot of like Andy Summer. I'm not saying they, they sound like the Police in any way, shape, or form. <laughs> but he does like those muted, arpeggiated, like the dun 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 yeah. dun dun, and they just keep it kind of going throughout like the, with the weird uh, little vocal intro part. That part is like one of my favorite parts of that yeah. song too. I, I can just every part of the song is my favorite part. It's so awesome. I, what can I tell you? Okay, let's continue with Bad Omen, written by Dave Mustaine. Ray, tell us about this. This is a weird song, but mm. it's a cool. It's it's weirdly cool. Um, it starts out with an arpeggiated E minor chord. It's coolly weird. It's coolly weird. Yeah, it's cool. Yeah. Whip, <laughs> whip, whip. <laughs> but it alternates between like a. It's a muted arpeggiated E minor chord and this weird thing where once again they throw in the flat fifth, the Diablo and Musica, which is a trademark of mm. all and or good metal. It's cool. It starts out with that. It's and then it turns into this weird kind of a. I, all I can describe it as like a Led Zeppelin meets world music Afro-Cuban <laughs> groove thing. Whoa! Which I I, I don't listen, I mean it's not Afro-Cuban, but you know it's it's just it's exotic sounding. It's weird and it's definitely it's got some Zeppelin-y stuff going on. That and the subject matter is definitely back to the occult stuff, which oh, yeah. I like. Which I guess was influenced by this guy named Dijon Carruthers, right? Who played drums in the band for a little bit early, was, early, early. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Who was like all into the occult and stuff like that. I didn't know that at the time, but if you look at the, the inside J card of the things like the, those two songs inspired by D. John Carruthers, I, I, remember, I went to a B. Dalton books to see if I could find anything. Yeah. Who's this author, D. D. John Carruthers? <laughs> oh, you thought it was like some like an Alistair Crowley kind yeah, of thing? Yeah, that's who yeah, I yeah, thought yeah. it was. Yeah, no, lo and behold, it was a skin pounder. <laughs> so, what are you going to do? Hey. But yeah, no, there's nothing wrong with this song. And then when they kick in with that thrash skank beat at the end, it just punches you right in the yeah. nuts. It's awesome. Yeah. Not that I want to be punched in the nuts, but yeah. <laughs> 
It's got that other slow intro, though it's electric as opposed to acoustic this time. And the heavy intro riff slamming fairly quickly this time. And then we get to the main riff, which chugs along and pauses as Gar plays an off-kilter but still badass drum pattern. Mm-hmm. Kind of makes it feel like the drums are surrounding you. That's like, like that yeah. tribal thing that you were talking about, the oh, afro. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Then it stops. Wait a minute. False ending. But this time <laughs> it comes back. When it comes back, the tune goes up another level with a thrash beat. The guitar is chugging right along with it. Sonically, this section kind of sounds similar to the previous Black Friday mm-hmm. thrash section. The, yeah. the, the, the two tunes kind of sound similar to my ears. Yeah. The lyrics are a straight-up satanic ritual with Satan and his demons claiming their virgin sacrifices. You know, metal lyrics. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> and if Mustaine wasn't singing them, I might find them hilariously <laughs> cool. This definitely feels like a filler track to me, but I've got no issue with it. It's a ripping thrasher that does what it's supposed to do. It tears your head off. I I still dig it. No diggity, no doubt. The penultimate track is I Ain't Superstitious, written by Willie Dixon. You know, it's funny. This is the first time I heard this version of the song before I heard Beck's version, before Mm -hmm. I even heard Howlin' Wolf's version. So here's the funny thing about this song, and I didn't even know it was a cover until I I actually looked in the inside of the J card. Speed and thrash metal was kind of the antidote to L.A. cock rock. Right. Absolutely. Which, which is like, when I they went to this, I was like, they're just making fun of it. They got to be making fun of it. So yeah. I loved this song just for that. Okay. Like, it seemed like it was making fun of, like, you know, that kind of, this, they weren't doing, no thrash metal band was doing swagger. Right. right? Before swagger became some god-awful, you know, modern aughts hip-hop reference. And when they do it, it just, it sounds goofy. It, it yeah. sounds like. You know when the scene in the Blues Brothers when they're doing Rawhide? Yeah, yes. Yeah, this is like the equivalent of that. <laughs> a band that has no interest in doing this kind of thing. Gotcha. Before on their way through. Mustaine's lyrics, it's really kind of unintelligible as to what he's yeah. saying, except for a couple things. Well, he changes them almost entirely. It's almost not even the same song. Oh, yeah. And my favorite part is like, in the end where he's like, some chicken shit pukes out. <laughs> <laughs> it just like loses it. And he's like, and of course, and they, they, what's worked in the last two tracks, why not go for the trifecta? And they bring in the thrash skank beat once yeah, again. Why not, man? And that's probably the best part of the song. But <laughs> yeah, I, I, I've, I've got no bones with the song. Yeah, see, I usually don't care for Megadeth's cover tunes. Mm-hmm. And I think it's more of a case that I don't like the song choices they make mm. when they do a cover. Maybe it's because they're trying to be, do it jokingly. Like, I never looked at it that way. Mm-hmm. Maybe it's my fault. This is the Willie Dixon Blues Classic made famous by Howling Wolf, but Megadeth's reference is clearly the Jeff Beck Group version oh, yeah. from their album Truth. With Rod Stewart. Yes. <laughs> and of course, Megadeth speed the sucker up and wind up plugging it into a thrash beat, like we said. <laughs> yeah. But it just doesn't fit this kind of song. You trying to tell me Megadeth's got the blues? <laughs> I like Get the fuck out of here with that yeah. shit. <laughs> and if you believe Dave Mustaine is a blues singer, I've got a bridge in Brooklyn I want to sell you. <laughs> Funny thing is, the lyrics are about how the narrator isn't superstitious and doesn't believe in bad luck after all these demon and supernatural songs on this record. <laughs> yeah. So maybe he is just fucking with us. It cleanses the palate. Mustaine changes <laughs> his words so much it's barely even the same song. He did the same thing to These Boots Are Made For Walking. Yeah. I made his debut album, and that song blows too. <laughs> 
don't hold back. Let us know. How I you don't even have to think about it. <laughs> this fucker is Aaron Stinky Stinker. And that brings us to the final track, My Last Words, written by Dave Mustaine. Last track, Ray. What about this one? I always think of this as the Deer Hunter song. <laughs> Ooh, yeah. In fact, one of the first time I saw the Deer Hunter, I like had this song playing in the back, like that ending scene with like De Niro and Christopher yep, Walken. Yep, I like, yep. thought that the entire time. Pretty heavy subject matter. I mean, you hear like Metallica had like Fade to Black, which is a suicide song. Yes. But this looks to like a, to a different level. It kind of does, <laughs> doesn't it? Oh, definitely. The intro is monster. And it finally kicks into the main riff of the song. The main riff is really cool. And I got to say that Dave Ellison gets MVP for his bass work on this on this whole fucking song. He's fucking awesome on this. Oh, yeah. I mean, yeah. I so mean, fuck the naysayers, man. Yeah, no, they can all suck a dick. Yep. Because, like, the stuff that he's playing behind in the intro, it's, it, it's, it moves the song in a different yes. direction. And then when it finally comes into, like, the thrash part and playing, it's like, it's yeah. just all over the place, yeah. but it's cool as shit. Yeah, it dances and all over the riffs. It pops. Yes. But, uh, no, it's good. The breakdown is cool as hell, and this solo in the end is fee-fucking-nominal. I mean, it's got those, like, minor arpeggios going up and up and down a little bit. I, forget, I don't even know what notes he's arpeggiating, but it sounds great as shit. This is, like, my, probably my third favorite song on the album. Yeah, that fast thrash riff when it first comes in, it kind of yeah. reminds me a little bit of Love to Death from the first... Yeah, I mean, I thought that similar. Not it, it's different, but it's yeah. It's got a There's like a little bit of muddled to it. But yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. The pace on this one stays consistently fast as it races along, and Elfson's bass is clearly audible. You can hear it moving around the riff as much as under it. Mm -hmm. It's more than just a rhythmic foundation. It gives the tune a bit of a different vibe than what we've heard before. Mm -hmm. The middle section begins with Gar's drum rolls, and we get a new cool ass riff along with some excellent fast shredding solo work. Mm -hmm. The lyrics are interesting too about someone playing Russian roulette and what that does to the mind, mm -hmm. the fear and dread that goes along with it. And there's some good gang vocal use that punctuate this too. Yeah, I love the gang vocals in yep. the end, man. And it kind of plays on that trepidation, fear that you feel while you're playing Russian roulette. I think yeah. I think it's effective. Hopefully, we never have to find out. Well, I, I hope not. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I wouldn't know. I don't even own a gun yet. <laughs> Thinking about it. And yep, Mustaine's voice makes me want to play Russian roulette right now. <laughs> so see you, Ray. It's been real. I've enjoyed doing this podcast with you. No, I do like this track, and it's a very tight, fast album closer. I dig. Oh hell yeah. Now that the track-by-track track is completed, we're going to go into our final thoughts and album rating. For you new listeners, the rating is a 0-5 to five system, with 5 being a favorite album of ours, all the way down to a 0, which for me is Dave Mustaine singing Sweating Bullets on a Loop. <laughs> so, Ray, what are your final thoughts on Peace Sells, But Who's Buying? All right. Okay. I love this album. This I, I loved Thrash when it came out. Like, Thrash changed... How I looked at music back yeah, it changed in the day. The game. Oh, it totally changed the game, and I could identify more to thrash than I could like a lot of the LA. I loved hair metal. Yeah, don't get me, me wrong. Too. But for for once, like when this scene came along, like I can understand this stuff, mm -hmm. and this stuff sounds pretty. You know, it sounded smart. What I think I don't mean to interrupt you because no, this fine. is your time. But what I think thrash metal did is it took 
kids like us, mm-hmm. we were kind of poor white trash, more or less. Oh kind, yeah, kind of, hanging you know, out in front of Seven Eleven. Yeah, you know, and it, the, the lyrics spoke to us, and the, yeah. and the music was, you know, like glam metal. They're talking about banging chicks and living the high life, and the, right. the, I couldn't relate to that. Yeah, no, same. I dug all. it. I liked it. I liked having that fantasy world. Yeah, but thrash metal said, "No, this is the shit. Yeah. This is what we're living in. This is what you're, sort of like what rap and hip hop did for the." African-American community. Oh, yeah, no, I'd say, dude, thank you. You yeah. fucking nailed that right in the head, hey. If you look at the like the, the albums, like, there's the big four. What, what right. are the big four albums you think of? Uh, with Slayer, I think of Rain and Blood. Right. With Anthrax, I think of Among the Living. Yeah. Um, with Metallica, I'm probably going to go with Master of Puppets. Yeah. Or It's between that and Ride the Lightning. And that doesn't, I'm not taking anything from Injustice for All, because that's a sick album, too. Yeah. But then when it comes to Megadeth, I think this is one of those big, you have to have this album if you like thrash. Absolutely. I didn't mind Mustaine's vocals, obviously, as much yeah. as, as you did. And even with the one, my one, you know, unimpressed musical piece on there, mm-hmm. I'll take that over, you know, some good songs by some bands that are out now. So I'm going to give this one five. Nice. I'm give it a five. Very nice. Yep. With this episode, I've covered all the big four thrash metal bands on this podcast. And as most of you can probably tell by now, Megadeth comes in at number four in my own personal ranking, by quite a wide margin, actually. And it's got nothing to do with the band's instrumental prowess or the music itself. Mm -hmm. Dave Mustaine is a phenomenal heavy metal guitar player and an excellent songwriter who doesn't follow the verse, chorus, bridge structure that so many conventional songs use. Mm -hmm. And his lyrics are fairly typical of the genre, but just as good as any other metal bands of that time. Mm -hmm. I just wish the fucking guy had hired a vocalist. (laughs) Because Dave's voice will forever keep me from going all in with this band. Mm -hmm. I'm sorry, I've tried and tried and I can't get past it. (laughs) Most people know that Mustaine was the lead guitarist of Metallica and got fired from the band right before they recorded their first album, Kill a Ball, and Dave vowed revenge by forming a faster and heavier band to compete against them. As far as pure musical ability goes, I believe the original Megadeth had the most overall talent of the big four. Yeah. I really believe that. Oh, I agree. And the first two albums are chock full of fast riffs, precise drums, and blazing solos. Gar Samuelson and Chris Poland both had jazz fusion backgrounds. We touched on that earlier. Mm-hmm. So they could fucking play, folks. And along with the two Daves, Megadeth had a unique style that set it apart from the others. I think because they could do such intricate fast and heavy shit. Yeah, no, that was it. It was all one big stew. It was awesome. Unfortunately, substance abuse derailed this iteration of Megadeth, and we only got two albums out of them, beginning what over the years has been more or less a revolving door of second (laughs) guitarists and drummers for this group. Plus, added this to the fact that Dave Mustaine still obsesses over Metallica to this day and can't seem to ever get that chip off his shoulder, no matter how successful Megadeth has become, and he can leave you scratching your head at his unwillingness to leave the past alone. He also has a reputation of being an asshole to work with, as well as having a shitty attitude even towards his fans... That doesn't do him any favors. Mm. I don't know. I've never met the guy myself. But through the years, I guess he's sort of... I heard that he's mellowed out considerably. But you can still count on a controversial quote coming from him at any moment. Oh, yeah. He does know how to piss people off and seems to enjoy it. (laughs) So now let's talk about this album. I love it. It is deservedly considered a Megadeth and thrash metal classic. Mm -hmm. It sonically improves on the dismal production of the first album. (laughs) And it shows growth in terms of Mustaine's complex songwriting and the band's fast, tight playing. It's an early peak for Megadeth. And there must have been something in the water in 86, 87. (laughs) Because the thrash masterpieces that came out during this period are unbelievable. Oh, there's shit out, man. Boom. Peace sells, but who's buying can easily stand beside those other landmarks we talked about. Master of Puppets, Rain and Blood, and Among the Living. Oh, yeah. 
I give this album a four. Mm-hmm. And just in case you were wondering, yes, I may have rated it higher if I could just get into the vocals. <laughs> I, I docked it for that. I, I you know, I, what can I say? But that does not diminish for me the fact that this album deserves its lofty place in thrash metal history. I do love this record. And most of the time, I can stomach Dave's voice. Mm-hmm. But. <laughs> but. <laughs> no new iTunes reviews this week, Ray. So I'm just going to give it all up to the listeners who keep the podcast going strong. There are a core group of you who like and share the show on Facebook week after week. And we are so grateful for your support. We know who you are. We'd love to see more iTunes reviews of this podcast as it helps bump us up in their rankings and gets us noticed by more potential listeners. But hey, just the fact that you take 40 to 50 minutes out of your week to give us a listen is massively appreciated. So thanks once again. Ray, you want to add anything? We're talking about you, Spain. We know you're listening. So Viva España. I don't know if I said that right, but there you go. Thank you. And that's going to do it for this episode. You can find this podcast at places like iTunes, Stitcher, Podbean, TuneIn, Google Play, and Spotify. So if you like what you hear, please subscribe to the podcast and leave a review of it. If you take the time to do it, we'll read your review right here on the show. If you'd like to contact us directly, we can be reached at RidiculousRockRecords at gmail.com and also on the Ridiculous Rock Record Reviews Facebook page, where there's a link to hear each podcast, including the Album Addicts branch of the show. You can also review the show on Facebook if you prefer to do it that way. And yes, we'll read your Facebook review on the podcast. You'll want to come on the podcast and talk about an album with us? Shoot us an email and we'll set it up. We're always looking for co-pilots to host a show with us, and we would also welcome any requests or suggestions for albums to cover. Feel free to leave all of your feedback, comments, reviews, and or suggestions at any of those places I just described. We'd love to hear from you. So for Album Addicts, I'm Aaron. And I'm Ray. See ya. Here I come again!
fuck are we now? Mm. Oh, bad omen. That, that, that was a bad omen in and of itself. Woo, I right? guess it was. Woo! I think they put a hex on me. For Chris <laughs> having his vocals. <laughs> Alright, alright. Alright, I got together now. <laughs> Are you ready? Uh, yeah.